Alright, and hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and sitting next to me, the one, the only ray of sunshine on the podcast is Ray Jewel. Ray, ah. welcome back. Oh, thanks, Kevin. It, it's uh, I, I like our temporary location here, yeah. right out in your backyard, under your uh, canopy here, your... your now you need a little screen, a screened-in porch. Nah, that'd be, a, that'd be a lot of work, a lot of money. But eventually, we'll be back in our regular yes. stu- studio that also serves as your classroom. So Yeah, we're going to be able to do that next week. Yeah, that'd be cool. And so, I'm just happy we're not on Zoom right now. Yeah, me too. I don't like Zoom. Yeah. Just... So, this is our post-quarantine episode, our first post-quarantine <laughs> episode. Now that things are starting to lift here in Wisconsin... We can do this legally. Okay. So, All right. it's good to actually see you in person. It is good to be seen. So. I mean, you did stop by a couple times with your boys. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, a couple fun. drive-bys. Yeah, drive-bys, that's right. Now, <laughs> under normal circumstances, that'd be a bad thing. Yes. Doing a drive-by. But, um, you know, it's part of the new normal. Yes. <laughs> it's the first time you and I have ever done anything normal. Oh, well, that's because it's new, see? Right. <laughs> We're into new stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a while since we've actually been in person. Right. Doing this. It's been at least eight weeks yeah. since we recorded oh, something man. new. That's so, crazy, isn't it? It is insane, but I'm glad that little by little, it seems like life is, is, is coming back, and we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, last week, it was a pleasure to have Jeff Myers on yeah. the podcast, and he... Uh, no, that's it's his book we're working on on question and answers. I'm glad you got it right there because I probably would have said it the way you've been yeah. saying it all along, all series long. But um, I can't believe know, I said that with him here. I well, I know that was like, and I I mean you said it three times. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but you know, I just listened to it again this morning in preparation for this afternoon because we we had him sort of do an introduction to this chapter 5. Yeah. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, I do have to warn everyone, as Ray just said, we are in my backyard right now. Um, And part of that is we're not in my office. We're not in school because we can't do that yet. And we're not in my office because right now kids are napping. Yeah. And at some point they're going to wake up. Okay. So we might hear some... (laughs) Well, we're going to hear the noise of nature. Yes, well. But then you might hear the noise of my children just getting up from a nap. So. Well, they would be part of God's creation as yes. well. So. <laughs> okay, so. Um, love the sin. Well, hate the sinner. No. No. <laughs> love the that sinner. That would really be. <laughs> hate the sin. Wow. Wow. It's, I've been cooped up for a while. Yes. <laughs> okay, so chapter five. What, so yeah, as, as Ray mentioned, yeah, we're going through the book Unquestioned Answers by Jeff Myers, our guest last week. And so chapter five, love the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yet, as we were talking about it and as we read through that chapter, we noticed that you know, there are people who feel like they're, well, the, the one that he said that, people normally think of sin-wise is same-sex attraction. Right. And for a same-sex attraction person to tell them that you hate what they do, well, it's not, in their minds, it's not what they do, it's who they are. Right. And, you know, that really does bring up a lot of questions because 
the thing I think that, that we tend to do with this is we pick on people who sin differently than we do. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, if someone drinks or does other things to ex excess or uh, gossips or, well, of course, that's the... That's one of the uh, forgivable sins yeah. in the church, gossip and gluttony. Uh, but we, we don't focus on our own, which is totally backwards according to what I see in Scripture. Right. You know, we're supposed to take the plank out of our own eye yeah. before we try to take the speck out of our brother or sister's eye. And, and you know, I think this is what, what I'm talking about is modeled by Jesus. I mean, you got the uh, John 8 story the woman caught in adultery yeah you know the Pharisees bring her to Jesus the rabbi um, probably you know you know they're saying by this action that we don't do this yeah but you should hate this woman because of what she does and Jesus you know it wouldn't surprise me one single bit if the guy that was committing adultery with her was one of them yeah I've heard a lot of people speculate on and that, that um, because they're what they're doing is setting Jesus they don't care about the woman right they don't care that she did this they just wanted somebody to yep. to test Jesus how he would handle the situation and uh, he um, of course he knew men's hearts, yeah. saw through their duplicity, and basically just started writing something in the sand. And wouldn't surprise me one single bit if what he was writing in the sand was their sins. Right. Um, and he uh, basically ends up by saying, you know, who's never sinned, throw the first stone. Yeah. And that's the point of what we're trying to say here, that this statement, this trite love the sinner and hate the sin uh, statement just sort of flies in the face of that. You know, Jesus tells the woman at the end well, There's a motorcycle driving by. Yeah. We This street never gets motorcycle traffic. <laughs> We're well, out in the middle of nowhere. It's warm enough. <laughs> and it's, it's the one day we decided to record outside. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Hey, quit sinning over there. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. What was I saying? The the thing is, Jesus tells the woman, "Your sins are for man." That's he's really smoking in town. Okay. The man, uh, Jesus tells her, "Your sins are forgiven you. Go and sin no more." So yeah. he doesn't dismiss the sin, right. but he doesn't attack her. Yeah. With the statement, "Love the sinner and hate the sin." Yeah. I mean, if you want people to actually listen to your approach to the gospel, because, I mean, sin is a part of the gospel. Yeah. The fact that we need to come to a realization that we're all sinners in the eyes of God. We've all fallen short of his glory. Um, and the consequences are of sin is death. So we are outside of God for eternity. And yet, you know, the old and brimstone approach I don't know how effective it was back in the day when it was used but it's certainly not very effective today you need to be willing to associate with sinners I mean look at Jesus I think Jesus had more fun 
spending time with the quote-unquote sinners of the day than even sometimes his own disciples. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, they, they screwed it up. Uh, the Pharisees definitely screwed up. And, uh, you know, Jesus was quick to point out their sin. Because of the hypocrisy that that was evident in their lives, but he was always patient, always loving, like the Samaritan woman at the well. That's what I was. Yeah. yeah he he does not condemn her. He doesn't excuse the sin, but he gets her to tell her story to right. him. And that's, you know, if you if you got somebody thinking, well, they think I'm a sinner because of what I do or because this is who I am, they're not going to listen. Yeah, it's interesting. In that story, um, there in John 4, mm-hmm. um, Jesus knows who this woman is. Right. And knows what sin she's committed. And it seems like no one else wants to be around this woman. That's why right. she's alone. Yeah, right. But Jesus is. And Jesus engages her in conversation knowing who she is, knowing what she's done, knowing what she is doing, mm-hmm. and is still willing to talk with her. And they get into a pretty um, theological conversation. They really do. They, yeah, they you are know, talking about where God is worshipped. Yeah. Um, you know, we believe it's here in the mountain, you know, in Bethel or in the mountains, and you believe it's in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, frankly, you're both wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the whole being worshiping God. There are ants on this table. Anyway, um, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting distracted. I've got like yeah, you got a motorcycle. You got ants. <laughs> Pretty soon your boys will be coming around. Oh boy! They but wanna, anyway, they want to see ho ho ho. You know? Yes, they do. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Jesus engages this woman in conversation. Uh, which, even at that time, you're not really supposed to do that. Well, especially not as a known rabbi. Yeah. Uh, male and female didn't associate. Uh, Jew and Samaritan didn't associate. Uh, certainly a, a righteous man would not associate with an unrighteous. Uh, some people would have uh, you know, given her the scarlet letter yeah. for adultery. If not that, at least, uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be that all right. five of her husbands died. Text doesn't say that. Um, but, you know, she was certainly known in her town as a loose woman. That uh, you just, you know, the, the other women in town didn't want her there in the morning when everybody else came to get water. Right. So she was coming at noon. The, the hottest part of the day, yeah. getting water, like, you know, I mean, who who does that except for somebody who's been scorned? Yeah, and so I think the whole point of this chapter is we're not just going to dismiss people as, well, you're a sinner. I love you, but I hate what you do. Yeah. Um, it, it is not a, a great approach, I think, it's because it, it's, it's a more biblical approach that, you know, you're a sinner and so am I. Right. So let's talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, we, we confront especially the sin of homosexuality. And again, I, I believe that's a sin. I believe that's, that's a biblical approach to that topic. But we have to get past the ickiness of mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, we think of this sin as, well, this is, you know, I don't do this. And that seems really gross to me. Mm-hmm. So I can... It's, it's all about condes- uh, condon- not condensation. 
condescension. Yeah. Um, I, I'm judging you for the sins that I don't do. Right. At the same time, I'm ignoring all the sins that I. Yeah. Guilty well, of. and it's interesting. I like your word icky because all sin is icky. Right. You know, we can't, and I don't think God. Certainly, God does not put degrees on sin. Sin is sin. You you are. You know, if you break just one of the laws that was given in the Old Testament or uh, one of the laws of morality of your own people, that's sin. See, I would disagree with you slightly. Yeah. And I, I do believe that there are degrees of sin. I, but all sin is sin. All sin is even the, uh, what we would in our mind consider the, the lowest on the rung of the ladder is still sin worthy of eternal condemnation. But Jesus seems to say that there are levels of, of, of punishment, which in my mind would say that there's levels of sin. But that's a, but I think we're in agreement in the idea that all sin is evil, and if we saw it in from God's perspective, right, um, we would condemn it all the more. But because we're so used to it, oh yeah, you know, like yeah. you and I were talking before about you know, gossip and and uh, gluttony are certainly the acceptable sins. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are that they're dirty and vile and rotten in the eyes of God if we were to be able to see it from you know our from an objective position instead of from our subjective view. Mm-hmm. But yeah. okay. Go ahead. So all sin is sin. So you know I I have students sometimes tell me in my Christian school, well what do I do if I if I'm confronted by an atheist? Or if I'm confronted by a homosexual, what do I do? What do I say? I tell them, well, I would start off with hi. <laughs> My name is, what's your name? Let's chat. And that's where uh, that's where Myers goes here in the book. Um, he mentions, um, yeah, he says here, at some ministries I tell students, your sin is how, no, that's not where I want to go with that. Back up. Um, it's the last page, yeah. So asking questions, he says on page 109, is an especially powerful way to engage when you're challenged. For example, someone were to ask you, is being gay a sin? You could ask, well, how do you define sin? And what does it mean to be gay? When someone asks, do you think gays are going to hell? You could reply, well, what's your understanding of who deserves God's judgment? Asking questions gets to the deeper issue of, of the, uh, the problem. Well, and that goes directly towards the whole purpose of this book to get away from right. that simplicism or however you yeah. said that. <laughs> that I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, that one today that that really you know uh, that shallowness that comes with so much of the triteness that we hear I, I mentioned this to Annette my wife uh, just the other day and she started rattling off some of these other yeah. trite things, and they're not not covered in the book. I mean, there there's got to be a, a million of them. It yeah. seems at times we could write to, the sequel to this. book. Well, we could easily, um, but uh, I, I I think that to ask questions, to tell stories, yeah, uh, you know, Nathan confronted David. In an awesome way. Yeah. I mean, here, I mean, first of all, here's David. David had the power because he was the king. He had the power to, if he so desired, to execute Nathan. Yeah. For uh, accusing him of some uh, sinful thing that he'd done. 
But but Nathan comes at him with a story that basically says, though, this is guy, there's two guys. One had a lot of sheep and one had a little lamb. It's like his child. And the the other guy got some midnight traveler come through. Instead of taking one of his own sheep, he took this guy's lamb and and butchered it and uh, fed his friend. And David got really irate. Isn't it amazing how that works? How yep, we get yeah. really mad when it's our own sin. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> someone else's sin. We can get real well, mad. Yeah. Right, but it, it's something that we yeah. struggle with. And and Nathan turns it on him at that time and says, you're the man because you know you had everything that God wanted you to have. You could have had even more. All you had to do was ask, yeah. and instead you took this other guy's wife. You committed murder. Oh, so, yeah, okay. I get you caught what you're saying. Yeah. So when I see my sin in someone else... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, yeah, yeah. It's easy to, to look at someone else who's struggling with the same sin I even, I even I am, and it looks bad with them, but right. I have an excuse. Yeah. Well, and that, that that comes from the just the human nature that we live with, we are trying to make ourselves look good by pointing something out yeah. that we're really aware is really right. a sin <laughs> in others. And uh, you know, it's just not not conducive to getting the message across. Just like understanding this, love the sin or hate the sin, yeah. that, that's really not helpful. I don't think it ever was helpful. But Well, I think it's helpful... In, in regards to how I deal with other Christians, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, if we're talking the same language, um, I can, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote about this, and he said he, he didn't like this phrase until he didn't think it was possible to do. How can you love the sinner but hate the sin? It doesn't seem like you can make that distinction. He said, but I do that with myself every day. Mm. I love myself, but I can hate the sin. And so I think when I'm communicating with other Christians, that, that, that might be. But far too often, it's just used as a, again, what this whole book is about. It's a throwaway line. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a something I can say where I can still treat you horribly. And let's be, let's be honest. When it, when it comes to evangelical Christians and the issue of homosexuality, oh. we really have oh, failed. Yeah. Um, that and, and abortion. Yeah, there are... So many Christians that, yes, I believe are filled with hatred mm-hmm. uh, toward those who are experiencing same-sex attraction. And there are Christians who get mad at me just for using that phrase. I'm not saying, you know, some... Uh, Homosexual or gay or... Or, or even worse, words yeah, I don't even want yeah. to repeat. Right, right. Um, and, you know, it's it's always about it's us versus them. Mm-hmm. And they're this, they are just so worse than us. Well, and that's the thing, I, I think I pointed this out last week. All the phrases that he covers and uh, several others are one way that quote-unquote leaders of certain churches use those to control the people to where it's almost a mob mentality or at least being led around like dumb sheep, which we're all dumb sheep, but some are dumber than others. (laughs) But the the thing about it is, see, the church needs to repent of that attitude. Yeah. People are crying, and I see it on Facebook all the time. I see it in other places, crying for revival. Well, revival happens when two or three things happen. People start praying. People get back into the Bible. And people start owning up to their own sin 
if my people who are called by no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just and kidding. We covered that twice in, <laughs> in the podcast, and you're still wanting to bring it out. <laughs> no, I, yeah, um, you can't revive what never was. What well, right. revival starts in the church? Yeah, and it starts with uh, you know I've heard, you know, uh, there's a story out there about. The best definition of evangelism is is one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. Yeah. You know, and that's I, I think that's a, a good perspective to have. When it's not an us versus them. We're not mm-hmm. preaching against the world. Those wicked people. No, I'm I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm, I'm looking at that wicked person, and saying, "Man, I I uh, these people are just like me. Yeah. Therefore, I can talk to them about Jesus." Right. Well, and you know, the, the thing that we have in common, everybody has in common with each other. We're all created in the image of God. Right. We're all sinners yeah. that are in deserving of eternal separation from God. And Jesus died right. for us all. I think we could, and he talks about this in the chapter about what it means to be an image bearer of Christ. And I, mm-hmm. I think we could do a whole podcast just on that topic. Oh, yeah, easy. Um, but it's important to remember that all of these people that we're wagging our fingers against are image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. No matter what they've done to that image, we have as well. Um, so if you're looking at the homosexuals, oh, well, that guy's just... Or you talk about the homosexual agenda. There's like this whole mm-hmm. cabal of... Wow. Well, um, I could no. <laughs> just hear them come back with, oh, you know, the evangelical Christians have an agenda. I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, frankly, they do. Yes, Oh, We're in on those meetings. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we can't just. Uh, and I want to. I was thinking as I was reading this book, it reminded me of of another book, um, another story. And do we have time? Uh, well, we're, we're going to have time. Um, I think I recommend this. If it's this, Kevin that's doing the talking, yeah. we have time. <laughs> yeah, there's no raining in Kevin podcasts. Um, Keeping Kevin under wraps. <laughs> um. I think I've recommended this on the podcast before, but The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Butterfield, who, um, by the way, I served as her bodyguard one weekend. Yeah? Little uh, unknown fact. Anyway, it was at a ladies' conference, and my pastor basically said, make sure no one, you know, like, so I follow her around. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Did you get her autograph? Did you get a book? <laughs> no, I did get a book. Okay. And that's the book right here. Okay. So she was, um, she was a lesbian. And she was, in fact, chairman of lesbian studies at, uh, I forget what university, which university it was. Hmm. And she was writing a book about evangelicalism. And uh, she'd gone to all the, the pride marches, and she'd seen all of the God hates homosexual. Th- I'm not going to use the words that they would use on the science yeah, and whatnot. Right. And that's what she was used to when it comes to evangelicalism. Sure. And so as she was writing this, she was getting letters from all of these different pastors. And it was just hate-filled garbage. Uh. But there was one pastor who wrote her and said, hey, why don't you come over to my house for dinner sometime? I'd love to chat with you about... Hmm. And that started... And she, she at first just like didn't know what to do with this. Yeah. Because it didn't right. fit the hatred that she'd been getting. Mm-hmm. And so she, for whatever reason, decided not, not to throw it away, but she kept it, and eventually she accepted the offer. And that, you know, if you read the book, that basically uh, led to a long-time relationship where eventually she became a Christian. Mm-hmm. Now she's a pastor's wife hmm. in a Presbyterian church, and she's written several books. Um, and it, beca- it was because someone had some kindness and love mm-hmm. and not just an egotistical 
condescending wag of the finger mm-hmm. that um, I hate what you do and I hate who you are. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw that book out as a as a recommended resource, along with our book that we've been going through, Unquestioned Answers. I said it right this time. Yeah. Because I'm looking at You're the looking book. right at the Unquestioned <laughs> Answers by Jeff Myers. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, and be sure and look up Summit Ministries. Yes. They do an awesome job with, especially teens and young adults, preparing them to deal with the worldview situation right. that we find around us. I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, so many, well, I mean, in a real sense, there's a worldview for each person because we take a, yeah. one of the main ones and sort of wrap it around our the way we would use it kind of thing usually. But, you know, there, there's got to be, well, I mean, I don't know. There's, But I know that I've studied probably a dozen or more yeah. just different ones and to have that when I was of that age coming out of high school before I went to Bible college that would have been huge mm. it would have been a good jump start for life and if right. you're not if your kids are going to not go to Bible college they need it even more yes if they're going to go to a state university or, right. or some other thing because uh, unless they get Connected to a decent student ministry, they're gonna their mind's gonna be really clobbered with all these conflicting worldviews right. that are being taught. So prepare them ahead of time. Right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Join us again next week. We're gonna be going through chapter six of this book, and I think we'll be back in our studio by then. That would be awesome. <laughs> so until then, check out our website at www. BasicBiblePodcast.org, where you can find all the resources we just mentioned, links to all of that, and then check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast and uh, Instagram, same thing. And don't forget to check out the blog at BasicBiblePodcast.org. You can, see, you can read through Ray's ramblings through Revelation, well, which yeah. is not the exact title, but no. um, <laughs> God wins. Yes, <laughs> I have, and then I'm also posting my daily uh, ramblings on Isaiah. Right, that's in our Facebook group. Uh, you check that, Facebook, yeah, check yeah. out the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, you can find Ray's writings there as well. So, until next time, have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.